maybe that's like the end all be all to letting go and forgiveness is separating like an evil act from knowing that people are not or, or believing that people are not inherently evil they're just capable of evil things yeah oh that was beautifully said look at you you poet welcome to the season finale of rebels agenda you're here with your co-hosts Lindsay and katrina season one has been an amazing journey of bad girls or badass women throughout history inspired by this amazing book that i'm holding up if you're watching us on youtube called bad girls throughout history by ann shen so thank you ann we did get ann's blessing to do this season and we hope she listens to it and enjoys it just as we hope you have enjoyed it for our final baddie we will be talking about the one and only maya angelou and i will turn it over to Lindsay for the bio before we begin today's episode we do want to let you know that we will mention some sensitive topics including rape as we explore maya's powerful life and experiences and so If you find these topics distressing, we do encourage you to consider skipping this episode or just listening with caution. All right, let's jump into Dr. Maya Angelou's story. So she was born in 1928 in St. Louis, Missouri. And as a kid, Maya was sent to be raised by her grandmother in Arkansas after her parents got a divorce. Now at eight years old, she went back to St. Louis to visit her mother. And there she was raped by her mom's boyfriend and she ended up testifying against this man in court. He was sent to jail and then released from jail pretty quickly. After that, several of her uncles beat the man to death, and then frightened by the power of her own tongue playing out in that story, Maya chose not to speak for five years. So during this time, Maya was studying and memorizing poems by folks like Langston Hughes, Emily Dickinson, and Shakespeare, and really a desire to express love for poetry and speaking it out loud helped to draw her out of this five-year mutism. She ended up moving to San Francisco with her mom and her brother at about 15, and she got her first job. A fun fact about Maya is she was the first African-American woman to work as a streetcar conductor in San Francisco. She requested a job application every day for three weeks after consistently being denied on the basis of her race. And she lied to say that she was 19 on the application. Now, when she was 16, she gave birth to her only child. And then she moved to San Diego to work as a nightclub waitress and uh, got tingled up a bit in drugs and prostitution and was a dancer at a strip club. Ironically, though, the strip club ended up saving her career and she was discovered by a theater group and she landed a role touring 22 countries. She moved to New York for two years, got involved in the civil rights movement, and then she moved to Egypt with a boyfriend to edit for the Arab Observer. She then returned to the U.S., began publishing her autobiography series, starting with I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, followed by five more volumes. Now, many schools sought to ban this book, and still do, for its frank depiction of sexual abuse, but it is credited with helping other abuse survivors to tell their stories. She published 36 books in total and was really active in her career well into her 80s. Finally, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from Barack Obama in 2010, who released a statement upon her passing in 2014, and here's what he had to say. Michelle and I join millions around the world in remembering one of the brightest lights of our time, a brilliant writer, a fierce friend, and a truly phenomenal woman. But the voice she found helped generations of Americans find their rainbow amidst the clouds and inspire the rest of us to be our best selves. 
In fact, she inspired my own mother to name my sister Maya. And that is Dr. Maya Angelou. Let's kick it off with our first question, which is why is Maya bad? Why is she a badass? The only thing I can think of is possibly that her book is on a banned list, which seems kind of bad. Her book was banned for explicit sexual content. She was raped when she was eight years old. She describes that experience in the book. Should it be banned or not? I don't know exactly how book bans work. I think it's school district by school district, and it might even depend on age. I think age is a big factor. There's a difference between being seven and 17. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on age. I think there's a balance that we as a society have to aim for, which is protecting innocence of our young children and really, you know, ensuring that the trauma is minimized. And it's really important for us as human beings as we develop to understand how society works so that we can be a functioning part of it and so that we can contribute to it and so that we can protect ourselves from the evils that are present in the world. Some people would also argue, yes, they need to learn these things, but it's not the job of the school. It's the job of the parent. So that's another layer Right. And then you have the side of if you're sheltered, if if you're too sheltered, the children aren't being inspired by this content and we won't have new baby Maya Angelou's to grow up. Amen to that. And we need more poets in our world. Bringing it back to Maya Angelou, her work is important. And I mean, if it was up to me, I would say once you're 13 years old, read it. That's a good spot. You're a teenager. Deal with it. Yeah, You're becoming an adult. Like it's time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I'll agree with that. Speaking of Maya, you know, she had this super uh, traumatizing experience at eight years old. And then she decided not to speak any words for five years because she thought that she brought that consequence for that man to life. And just curious to talk about that mutism and, you know, how it might have helped her become a poet and have the life that she lived. Elective mutism is something I cannot fathom. Like, do you think when she was even alone in her room, do you ever think she just like babbled to herself or like you have to get that the word vomit out? I can't imagine complete and utter silence. It's it's also so sad and so sweet. Like, even though this guy did this terrible thing to her, she felt responsible for his murder and she's just torturing herself. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I can't imagine doing it. I'm not I don't. I'm not one to talk a ton, but it is such a therapeutic way to like work through things and just to have fun in life. And so to rob yourself of that for for five years is pretty unimaginable. Yeah. And and speaking of it being therapeutic, it's also kind of ironic that that's what Maya ended up doing. And that's how most of her influence on the world ended up being communicated is through her written and spoken word. You mentioned in the bio that she spent those five years studying and memorizing and, you know, came out of it this amazing poet so maybe there's something to be said for just absorbing before you share one quote that maya had about writing poetry is when i come close to saying what i want to i'm over the moon even if it's just six lines i pull out the champagne my kind of girl but until then my goodness those lines worry me like a mosquito in the ear and i think that's a really cool uh visualization do you feel similarly when you're inspired or when you're writing a poem that until you have it the way you want it it's like nagging at you yeah like hate that feeling I tend to write poetry in bed at night and I'll like put my phone down on the charger and then like be okay that's enough for tonight 
And then 10 minutes later, I just opened my eyes really quick, turned back to my phone and, and jot down the fix. And so definitely a quick ping of, no, that this is better kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She has so many famous quotes that I, I knew almost all of them, but didn't know they were her. So it's one of those people that has left all of these imprints on society that we all know, but you know, you don't even think to credit them at this point because they're so well known. She had two quotes that I felt could be interpreted as directly contradicting one another. And I thought we could dig into them a bit. So the first quote is, bitterness is like cancer. It eats upon the host, but anger is like fire. It burns it all clean. So anger's good. Take away. Anger can propel you forward, you know, rise from a phoenix, like a phoenix from the flames, which is one of my favorite imageries. But she also said, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive. Forgive everybody. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? How do you forgive everybody? For example, her forgiving her rapist to the point where she was distraught over his murder, but also Mm -hmm. her using her anger like a fuel throughout her life to be the amazing woman that she that she was. Yeah, it does seem like such stark contrast. I do think the question is, what's the difference between bitterness and anger? Because I think to forgive everybody maybe releases you from bitterness, which she's saying is like the cancer, like the parasite. And then still allowing the anger to come through because of what happened. So with her assault, forgiving the man to not hold bitterness, but still being angry that it happened. And maybe that's different than being angry at the man. I don't know. What do you think? I had the same thought. I was thinking, okay, what was she angry about? She was angry about racism. She was angry about discrimination. She was angry about abuse. And those are all actions done by people. But she also found it in her heart to forgive the individual person and be angry at the thing itself and the evil itself and that result. And separating those, maybe that's like the end all be all to letting go and forgiveness is separating like an evil act from knowing that people are not or or believing that people are not inherently evil they're just capable of evil things yeah oh that was beautifully said look at you you poet (laughs) i love it (laughs) okay i do want to ask this because we've we've chatted about this in real life as well and oprah became this lifelong mentee of Maya Angelou and Oprah credits so much of who she is and what she's accomplished to Maya Angelou it's my life's dream to have a mentor like Maya And so the question that Oprah asked was, what advice would you give to the younger version of yourself? So I'd like for both of us to kind of answer that question at this stage in our life. What would what advice would you give? I'll think, too. Mm. Okay, I'll go for it. Right now, I think I would tell little Lindsay that it's okay to say no more often than you might initially believe. I think I've gone through life always believing that experience is paramount. So whenever experience is presented to you, I'll try anything once kind of attitude, which I do love about myself. And so I, and you're, it's not, you're, you're a yes woman. Where's I'm a yes from? queen. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> but setting boundaries can be like building muscle. And I think my muscle for setting boundaries is pretty weak. And so I would tell younger self, you know, sometimes if you don't want to do something, 
it's not always it doesn't always have to be a yes that's a good one oh i'm really struggling with mine i actually feel like i have written down some advice to myself even recently and i wish i could go find it in my journal because i don't remember what it was maybe this would be advice that i wouldn't give to myself as a child but myself as like a teenager the darkest years of my life and probably many females lives is teenager ism <laughs> i agreed it was a it was a rough time and to tell myself at that age that i have inherent value beyond what others might see and also that while our accomplishments are important the purpose of life is to enjoy life and to love and be loved no. i think that our society and myself has put a lot of pressure on achievement and that's something that even super recently i mean i haven't been working for like four months now all of a sudden i'm like life's not about work but <laughs> it's like I, I feel like there has been a mindset shift like yeah who cares like you know what what you've achieved or what you've accomplished if you're not happy and you're not loved yeah i love that nice i'm sure little katrina would love to hear it okay last question of our finale episode of our eight baddies that we have discussed this season should we give a quick overview of each of them real quick can can you do it I think I can. Okay, we've got episode one, Lilith, kicked out of paradise for demanding equality, paradise being the Garden of Eden. Two, Cleopatra, queen of the Nile. Three, Ching Shi, prostitute turned pirate queen. Four, Josephine Baker, showgirl and spy. Five, Nellie. Nellie Bly spent 10 days in a madhouse and was a famous author and journalist. Six was Christine Jorgensen, America's transgender sweetheart. Seven, Dr. Ruth, sex therapist. Loved that episode. And finally, Maya Angelou, who we are discussing today. So of these eight amazing baddies, who would you want to, let's start with the first one, live her life exactly as she lived it? Yes. Well, first of all, I'm impressed with your ability to recount those so quickly. I think I'd love to live... Cleopatra's life, queen of, queen of Egypt, like ran the Nile. I just, that's the one for me. Even with the young and tragic death. Yeah. Romantic. So I, I think I said this in a different episode and I'm, it's unchanged. Ching Shi. Yeah. What? I see that for you. Adventure. Adventure. And she lived to old age and died in bed surrounded by her family, even though she You're was so like right. a pirate queen and had all these crazy adventures and like lived a life on the seas which sounds so romantic in actuality i don't know if i'd love it i'm, I'm a homebody but <laughs> so yeah probably ching chi love okay now who would you want to live her life and decide to do things differently wow it's a tough one actually all of their courses are so well charted and Right, which is why you think it's hard to imagine a better alternative or a more interesting or impactful alternative. Lilith is kind of the easy answer because she like just fucked up right from the start and went <laughs> right to hell. <laughs> yeah, and then became a demon. I feel like she could have maybe played a little bit of like a longer game. <laughs> so is Lilith your answer? <laughs> okay, fair. I'll go with 
I'm like looking at the list. I suppose I'll go with Josephine. I don't know. Parts of her story are so amazing and I would love to live like traveling abroad, having a cheetah. But I don't know about like the 12 kids part. I, I don't know that I would change her decision about leading the movement, but that would be an interesting decision to make. Um, maybe I would like try to do it a little bit or something. So yeah, you try to have both. <laughs> yeah. You just lead the civil rights movement a little bit, just like half. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And the last one. What's the last one? Who would you want to be best friends with? Oh, Doctor Ruth. Oh, this is such a good one. Yeah, she she is out there. She just had her yeah. birthday, ninety five years old. Where are you at, bestie? Let's hang. Yeah, like hit us up. I'm going to go with Ruth as well. Like there's no denying she'd be the absolutely the most fun. All right. So for our last poem of the season, we will be reading together Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. All right, let's do it. Pretty women wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. But when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say, It's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man, the fellows stand or fall down on their knees. Then they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. I say it's the fire in my eyes and the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist and the joy in my feet. I'm a woman, phenomenally phenomenal woman that's me men themselves have wondered what they see in me they try so much but they can't touch my inner mystery when i try to show them they say they still can't see i say it's in the arch of my back the sun of my smile the ride of my breasts the grace of my style i'm a woman phenomenally phenomenal woman that's me now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need for my care. Because I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. And that's a wrap, folks. Season one, baby. <laughs> season one. Thank you for joining us on this journey. If you want to hear season two and you have any ideas... We're going to take some time to think about it and then come back strong. But subscribe, follow us on social media, let us know what you think, give us a rating, and thank you again. Yeah, thanks for being here. We'll see you soon.